Hello, everyone. It's 2 p.m. here in the eastern part of the United States, and wherever you are, it's time for Bible Quest, a discussion of God's communication to man. Now, this broadcast is being recorded live and will be available for later viewing on BibleQuest.org, Facebook, and YouTube. Now, during the show today, if you'd like, keep your Bible handy so you can fact check any of the and confirm any of the things we're saying. But I really want to encourage you to contribute to the discussion with your comments and questions. Now you do that, obviously, with your question. For those of you who've been here before, you hit the question and answer button at the top. Uh, and then keep that little box open and then just text in your questions at any time. Now, there is a way we can bring you in live with a phone call if you want, but you have to do that from within the um, text. Let me know that you want to go by raising your hand. You'll see a button that says raise your hand. Now, our panelists are Scott Smeltzer from Gettysburg. Hi, Scott. How you doing? How you doing? Thanks for being here today. Good to see you. Uh, and we also have Stephen Rouse from Gettysburg Day. Hi, Stephen. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Jeff Smeltzer, who's normally with us, he will not be here today. He's out on the road traveling. Look forward to seeing him next week. And I'm your host, Drew DeGrado from Holmesdale, Pennsylvania. All right, so let's get right into uh, today's topics. And I and I do encourage you to please add your question, uh, your texts and questions into the uh, text box. But I want to start with a quote from Peter, First uh, Peter three fourteen and fifteen. Well, uh, Stephen, would you mind reading that? Or wait, want to? Oh, I got to hear on my slides. Don't mind me. I just got to get a little bit more organized. All right, here it is. All right, Peter. But if even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, and yet do it with gentleness and respect. So the Holy Spirit here through Peter is telling us that our defense of our hope must be based on what? Reason. Mm -hmm. uh, not truth, I'm sorry, not facts, uh, not uh, based on facts of truth, rather, not tradition, uh, not feelings or threats of terror, but based on reason. So our discussion today is a comparison between the Bible and the Quran, uh, specifically Jesus and Muhammad. And we have some historical facts on Muhammad. Let me just get my slides here a little organized yet. Sorry about that. So we do have some uh, facts, uh, historical facts on Muhammad. He was born in 570. Uh, A.D. in Mecca. Uh, he received, he claims he received his revelation uh, from Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, in 610. He also received further revelations uh, around 613, and his death was in the year of uh, around 632. He also had 13 wives, the record states, and it's reported that he had three sons and three daughters. I'm sorry, three sons and five daughters. All right, so the record states, and it's reported that he had three sons. What happened there? We're getting a, uh, an echo coming in from somebody? My bad. That's all right. No problem. Carry on. Uh, okay, so let's put some facts together using reason with the objective of coming to the truth so that we know who we can put our trust in, Jesus or Muhammad. And that's important today with all of the discussions about the Bible and the Quran coming in. Uh, Stephen, you have uh, 
John 5 open, right? Yeah, in, in John chapter 5, uh, we have some really helpful statements that Jesus makes about the nature of faith in him and where we should put our trust. And Jesus actually kind of makes a fairly shocking statement at the beginning of this. In John chapter 5, beginning in verse 31, Jesus said, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. That's a pretty bold statement that Jesus makes. It says, don't listen to me if I'm the only one saying these things. Right. That's a really important thing. So he's going to go on to give three different witnesses to the things that he's saying saying that confirm who he is. Continuing in verse 32 of John 5. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John. This is John the Baptist that he's talking about. And he has borne witness to the truth, not the testimony that I receive is from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. He is a burning and shining lamp, and you are willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, but, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So, so right there in that passage, I mean, Jesus lays out the evidence of John the Baptist, who was also prophesied about before Jesus, uh, the evidence of the works or the miracles that the Father did, that he did uh, through the power of the Father, uh, and then uh, the, the fulfillment of the prophecies, which the Jews already believed in, he's saying, you believe that you look at the scriptures, but you're not listening to the fact that the scriptures prophesy and speak about me. And then, of course, the gospel of John will end with the greatest sign that uh, God gave him, and that's the resurrection from the dead. Uh, and so the, the evidences that we have for the historical resurrection of Jesus also bear witness to who he is. Exactly. We want to go through in a few minutes and look at each one of these in a little bit of detail, but let's also set the uh, picture here to help realize why these things are important. Uh, the first passage where Drew said, be ready to give a reason to those that, or to give a defense to those that ask for a reason for what you believe. One way to see how important that is, is to think how traditional and geographic most religious faiths are. For instance, if you grow up in the Bible Belt in the United States, there's a really good chance you believe in what? Jesus. If you grow up in India, there's a really good chance you're what? Hindu. If you grow up in Arabia or a lot of places in the Middle East, there's a really good chance you're what? Muslim. Now, have most people that believe in Jesus, most people that believe in Hinduism, or most people that believe in Muhammad, have they actually stopped and thought about reasons for what they believe, or do they just accept it? And so scripture is telling us, be ready to give answer to those that ask for a reason. And Jesus is saying, you need to have evidence. Exactly. 
And that's what we want to look at this morning or this afternoon. Look and let's look at the evidence. Let's compare some facts. So here we had some brief four four pieces of evidence referring to Jesus. Let's compare the facts now that we have about Muhammad. Um, first, we know that there was no foreigner, right? There's nobody that prepared the way. No one talked about him before he came onto the scene. He just shows up. Came um, out of the cave and yeah. felt he'd been told something. Right. And now there's also, there's there's no evidence of miracles that he performed. Right. Uh, I'm not sure, but I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I read somewhere that he admitted he never did any miracles. But there there's no record of it. In my reading of the Quran, I've never yet come across a place where he claimed to have done any miracle. Right. I hope we have some uh, Muslim um, people in the uh, Muslims in the audience, uh, because I'd like to get some comments and questions from them as we go through this thing. Um, all right. So let's go on with the next one. So there was no forerunner. There's no miracles. And there was also no prophecy about him. In other words, you know, nothing in the Old Testament talked about him. Um, now, of course, the exception to that, I think, if if I understand the Muslim perspective correctly, is that they would look at Deuteronomy 18 and say that that is prophecy. The prophet like Moses was Muhammad. And I think we're going to take some time a little later in the program to talk about that. So I want to acknowledge that. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did, Stephen, because that, that I did hear about that one, too. But other than that, let's let's leave that aside for a moment. There's really no other prophecies about him. And as we'll see, that prophecy is not about him either. Ah, okay. Let me look at this last item compared to the resurrection. There's no resurrection, obviously, with Muhammad. He's died. He died in 685, and he remains dead. But we do have something from him. It's the Quran. And he alone uh, claims that he received his message from an angel. It's a private message. The message that he alone received, there's no other witnesses to confirm it, and most of his message is all about him. Now, I want to go back to that thing, though, that you had just said, um, Stephen, in Deuteronomy 18. I think you're referring to this one, right, where it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And so how does that go, Scott? That well, uh, this is Moses telling the people, God's going to raise up another prophet like me. When he comes, you shall listen to him. And this may have had some fulfillment, for instance, in, in Joshua, who would lead them out in afterwards. But as ultimate fulfillment, as we see Peter saying in First Peter, excuse me, in Acts chapter 3, that this was about Jesus. And in a minute, we'll talk about some of the amazing ways. And I'd like to invite our callers, uh, text in. Uh, you can go to BibleQuest.org and log in and, and, and put your answer in there. Or just use your phone. And here's the phone number, 530-505-8378. Pardon? 507 is the middle number. So 530-507-8378 is that text in number. Thank you. And what I'd like you to ask you to text in, what are some ways that show that Jesus really is like Moses? What are some things pointing to the fulfillment that he's the one that would God raise, would God would raise up uh, like Moses? And it's to him we shall listen. We're going to see a lot of evidence of that. So we're asking our callers to and listeners to come in and chime in with some of those.
Yeah, and and uh, I, I just want to repeat what you said that 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 number for texting. I want to, that's for the people that are coming in on the Facebook side. Uh, those that you're coming in on the on the app itself, BibleQuest.org. You've got your uh, question and answer window right there to do that. But I want to go back to that term then in um, 1815 before we get into some of the modern and uh, the the New Testament uh, prophecies about Jesus. Uh, claims about Jesus. It says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And so, if I'm not mistaken, and Scott and Stephen, you might know this better than me, but I thought that a Muslim, uh, the Muslims would refer to to the brother as meaning no, this this applies to Muhammad because he's He's in, in the family in some respect or not going all the way back to Abraham. Is that, is that how the argument goes? Yeah, it goes like this. Uh, and, and Well, first off, one of the things that uh, Muslims will say about this verse is they'll say this better fits Muhammad than Jesus because Jesus was born of a virgin, which, by the way, we're going to see in a few minutes the book of Quran, uh, the, 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 the Quran states a belief in so many of the biblical figures and prophets and Jesus himself. The Quran says that Jesus was the Christ. It says that he was born of a virgin. It says that he raised the dead and healed the sick. We'll talk about those things later. But even though the, the, the Quran says those things, they say but this prophecy isn't Jesus, it's Muhammad. And here's why they say. They say Jesus was born of a virgin and Moses wasn't. Muhammad was not born of a virgin. So since Muhammad was not born of a virgin and and uh, Moses was not born of a virgin, they're alike. Well, pretty much everybody but Jesus would be alike by that standard. <laughs> None of the rest of us were born of a virgin. We'll see later some of the other comparisons. Beto has already uh, chimed in with one. We'll get to that in, in some other ones in, in a few minutes. Uh, uh, I want to add, though, though, that's what you're talking about is a interpretation or a commentary on what the uh, the qualification is of this prophet to come. Yes. And as you were mentioning, Drew, that what they will say about this text to show also their argument for saying this is a prophecy of Muhammad is where it says they're from your brothers. Yeah. They will say, going back to Abraham, you had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the 12 tribes and then Moses. But back there, who was the brother of Isaac? Ishmael. And so they will say that the prophet has to be from the brothers. So not the Jews, but the brothers, the Ishmaelites. Let me That's let me. So, Drew, how would you respond to that? Yeah, I would respond to that. That let, I'm gonna, I want to let the Bible dis, dif, define who this future prophet is and how how does that term used there in 18. And to do that, make sure I got the right slide here. Uh, we need to see uh, how how was Moses using that in the in a previous chapter. Notice in verse uh, chapter 17 and verse 14, he says, talking to the Jews, the Hebrews. When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me, uh, like all the nations that are around me. This is where, in the future, they're going to ask for a king like the other nations, and Moses is telling that. He says in 15, you may indeed set a king over you, whom the Lord your God will choose. 
one from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Moses is clearly telling them, he's got to be from your culture, the Hebrew people themselves, your brother, not a foreigner. And in the first, was not an Ishmaelite. Not at all. David was not an Ishmaelite. And this is the same Hebrew language used in the next chapter where it says, God will raise up one from among you, from among your brethren. And you, you, can't, you can't take it out of context and use it elsewhere the way Moses is describing the term of brothers, your brothers, from among you. Yeah. Like, it's so clear. Um, but there's another, another issue that relates to this, that um, modern uh, Muslims say that we must only trust the Quran. In other words, the whole world should only trust the Quran. But we can't trust the Bible. It's not a reliable book. But Muhammad didn't hold that view about the, the Hebrew book, at least not in his early career. In fact, uh, he urged um, Jews, and I think he urged Christians too, to hold fast by the book, meaning their book. And I can't pronounce that Al-Araf 7, 169 and 170. So that, that's, that's uh, Muhammad recommending that. He urged them to hold the book. So... The the prophecies and the discussion on that Moses is saying is from that very book, so the it's credible then even by Muhammad standards to take that for what it's saying. It's the modern critic or the modern commentary that wants to now say, well, this is what it means. When really, I just want to see what Bible. How does it describe it? What it means. Um. We were going to get into forgiveness and salvation, but didn't you want to bring something else up, Scott? Yeah, let me let me read a few, and I've, I've slipped the reference that I wanted to start with. But let me read a few statements from Ron, because this should be interesting. It may be if we have any Muslims looking, you may be familiar with this material, or you may not be. I've talked with uh, some Muslims who uh, might not be aware of these things. And for other people, uh, this would be helpful to know. Can I interrupt you for a second, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I see there's a couple of hands that were raised. And since I'm on the slide sharing functionality, I can't see who they were or are. Can you see that, Stephen? Uh, I'm not seeing any hands raised. Let me double check that real quick. Um, so I don't want to ignore people when they raise their hands, and I want to get to them. And I, Okay, here's, what, here's one we've got um, from Beto. Where does the Quran refer to Jesus as the Christ? I thought the highest role the Quran gave Jesus was prophet. And no, it very clearly calls him the Christ. Let's, so let's start with that. I'm reading, I've got here, this is uh, the Holy Quran, translated in commentary by uh, uh, Yusuf Ali. And so it has in here both the Quran and the original Eric, and then uh, English translation. Now, I'll say this, Muslims do not consider the translations to actually be the Quran. They use the Quran to describe when it's in Arabic. Yeah. You probably don't speak Arabic. I don't speak Arabic. And so instead of me trying to pronounce that, we're going to go with this. While you're on that point real quick, we had somebody comment on the uh, live Facebook uh, video asking, what's the easiest way to find a copy of the Quran from left to right? I have a hard time finding a copy without the original language going right to left. 
And the reason that is is because they believe that only the original Arabic from right to left is inspired. But you can find a variety of English translations on Amazon and other places that uh, the, the Muslims would not consider uh, authoritative, but you can read them in English. There's several translations like that. And here's one I would recommend. You can probably go on eBay and find one of these used, and it has the Arabic, which they would consider, you know, the original authentic, and it has the English translation in the side so you can read both. But let's go ahead and read some here in the text. So I'm going to read from Surah, and this is Surah 345. So from the Quran, Surah 345. Behold, the angel said, O Mary, God giveth thee glad tidings of a word. From him, his name will be Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, held in honor in this world and the hereafter, and of the company of those nearest to God. And speaking of him, it says this, down in verse 49. Again, this is Surah 3, 49. I have come to you with a sign from your Lord, and it said, I heal those born blind and the lepers, and I quicken the dead. And so the, oh, and, and also in verse 47 right there, Mary says, how shall I have a son when no man has touched me? He said, even so, God createth what he will. So you have Jesus, the Quran calls Jesus the Christ. The, he's the virgin son of Mary. He makes blind people see. He makes lepers cleanse. He raises the dead. And now here's something really, really important. They will say, yes, Jesus was the Christ. Yes, he was a prophet. Yes, he was an apostle. Yes, he raised the dead. Yes, he was born of a virgin. But Muhammad is the greater prophet who did no miracles, who was not born of a virgin, and who didn't rise from the dead. Why would God send the inferior prophet with a forerunner, with signs, with prophecies, with miracles, and, and a virgin birth, and then when the greatest prophet comes, none of that. It, it would be like if Lexus came out with the new improvement and said, we've, we've come out with the ultimate Lexus for the new year. It doesn't have power windows. It doesn't have an engine. It, it doesn't have air conditioning, but it's better. Why would you have all the confirmation for the lesser prophet and none for the greater prophet? It wouldn't work that way. It wouldn't work that way. <laughs> In fact, I have a slide on that um, that talks about uh, Isaiah predicting that, um, about uh, crucifixion. But before we got there, I think I left out a slide here or two. Was there, a, was there a slide I was supposed to put there for that one, Scott? Actually, I would like to go back and talk about the John 5 a little bit more, if we can. Yeah. Uh, and while you're turning there, let, let me read just a couple of other lists of biblical figures uh, from the Quran so that people will be familiar with this. This is from Surah 4, uh, verse 163. We have sent the inspiration as we have sent to Noah. Uh, inspiration to Abraham. It lists Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, to the tribes, to Jesus, Job, Jonah, Aaron, Solomon, to David. We gave the Psalms. Um, and here's another one. Let me read one more of these. 
And, and so, in other words, what we're seeing here, the Quran presupposes God speaking through the Hebrew prophets, which is kind of ironic now, uh, but it presupposes that these were actual prophets of God. It doesn't go back and start all fresh. It starts with the presupposition that this was of God, that Moses was of God, Abraham was of God, Jesus was of God. So here we have, this is in Surah 6, uh, verse 84. We gave him Isaac and Jacob. Uh, we guided Noah, David, Solomon, Job, Joseph, Maron, Aaron, uh, excuse me, Moses, Aaron, Zechariah, and John. It talks about, it describes the birth of uh, John the Baptist and Zechariah being struck deaf in another passage. Jesus, Elias, uh, all in the ranks of the righteous. And it talks about believing in Jesus and the prophets. But let's back up for a minute to John chapter 5. And let's really think about that a little bit more. Yeah, and so, before we get into that, oh, sure. uh, we had another comment uh, here from Chip Miles uh, just saying that that's why God raised him so there are no loopholes. And that's really going to be the ultimate piece of evidence. We'll yep. talk about John 5, but John 20 <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the end of the gospel, the end of all the gospels is uh, the power. Romans 1 talks about that God showed him to be the son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. Yeah. And that's the, the greatest sign that Jesus has that Muhammad does not. Moses died, stayed dead. Guatemala Buddha died, stayed dead. Muhammad died, stayed dead. Jesus died three days later. The tomb's empty. And we have all these witnesses. So what were you going to say back there on uh, John yeah, 5? I just want to think a little bit more about. Back up, I'm sorry. Can you get that chart back up, Drew, the, the John 5 list? Yeah. So. Jesus says, if I bear witness myself, it's not true. Uh, think of how many people have claimed to be the Messiah, right? So oh, yeah. in the 130s, you know, people said he was the Messiah. Uh, I met a guy in Europe that believed he was the Messiah, uh, apparently, uh, because I, I, I asked him, I could just see how arrogant he was. And I said, do you think you're God? And he said, no. I said, do you think you're the Messiah? He said, I will not answer that. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've met some people that made ridiculous claims. And they're all, what did, what did David Koresh say? You remember Waco, Texas uh, and all that? David Koresh said that he was the son of God. Uh, and so you have all these people that make these claims. Why should we believe them? Jesus is saying in John chapter five, if I am just saying this myself, do not believe it. So he said, look at the look at the evidence. So we have first John the Baptist who going back to Malachi three, we've got a prophecy before I send the Lord. Who, who am I going to send? I'm going to send the messenger uh, going before him. So John the Baptist comes and sometimes we underestimate how huge John the Baptist was. John the Baptist was huge. Uh, I don't mean him physically. I mean, his his impact. <laughs> Because <laughs> locusts and wild honey have a lot of calories, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to, to think of his impact, consider this: when Jesus is confronted by the Jewish leaders the, the week of his death, and they say, "Bob, what authority did you did you do this?" Jesus said, "Well, I've got a question. If you answer mine, I'll answer yours." John the Baptist was he was his baptism from heaven or from men? What did the leaders of the Jews do? Uh, they couldn't answer that. 
Yeah, they couldn't answer. <laughs> they were afraid of the people because it was understood John was a prophet. So they're challenging Jesus, but they wouldn't challenge John the Baptist. Yeah. So I want you to just see how big an influence John the Baptist was. And with all these people listening to John, what's John's message? Not me. It's not me. It's him. Yeah. The, whole, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's a powerful thing because few people with that much power and influence would just so readily get up. And I mean, there are some people who really thought it was John, wanted it to be John. And, and he still is having to like correct people. No, it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. His disciples said, you know, to John, Jesus is now baptizing more people than you are. And, and, and John says, I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. Now, when we look at Muhammad, where's his forerunner? Where's his Malachi three guy? None. None. Then we come to the miracles. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it's Miles just just, uh, uh, said uh, here in the comments that he's a humble man. And so John is a, a humble yeah. forerunner to Jesus. Right. Now we come to the miracles. And remember, it's not just, well, the Bible claims it has miracles and the Quran claims it has miracles. No. The Bible says Jesus did the miracles and the Quran says Jesus did the miracles. And it doesn't record miracles by Muhammad. The Quran itself admits that Jesus raised people from the dead, that he made blind people see and, 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 and lepers uh, cleansed and, and, and stuff. And that goes back into Isaiah, you know, the, the, in, in the Messiah promises about miracles that are going to be done. And then we get to Muhammad. Where, where's his miracles? None. None. In fact, when John, when John the Baptist was in prison, he had he wanted to confirm want confirmation from yeah. Jesus. And so he sent his disciples, is ask Jesus, is he the one or do we look for another one? And Jesus' response was, Look at what you see. Yeah. And he yeah. points to his miracles. The the lame, yeah, the lame walk, the blind see. Yeah. Again, it's it's look at the evidence. That and that's the point I wanted to make. It's physical evidence, not emotion. And tradition or other things. It's the physical evidence. That's the whole thing about Jesus. Then fulfilled prophecies. We've got uh, from Micah that the shepherd will come out of where? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Even he whose goings forth are from of old. everlasting. Uh, we've got Psalm 22 that describes someone dying and they pierced my hands and my feet as the people wag their heads at him and say, call on God to save you or that kind of idea and cast garments on his lots. We've got Psalm 16 saying the Holy one would not be left in the grave, wouldn't see corruption. And in a few minutes, we're going to look more at that Isaiah 53 passage. So you got all these prophecies and then you have the resurrection and we're being asked to take Jesus and set him down here and say, but now it's time to follow Muhammad. And we say, why? Well, he says he saw something in a cave. No forerunner, no miracles, no prophecy about. Oh, but Deuteronomy 18. No, that's not talking about Ishmaelites. That's the Lord will raise up a prophet from among you, among your brethren. He had to come from Israel. And then coming back to that original question uh, about Moses and and 
and Jesus and who kind of fits better. Um, Bertina had commented a little while back saying that uh, babies were killed during both of their childhoods. And there's, I'm sure, other oh, parallels yeah. we talk about. Yeah. Um, so let, let's start running through those because I've seen a chart where uh, Muslims will say, here's why Moses and, and um, Muhammad are alike. And one of the ways it starts is they both had a natural birth with a mom and a dad, like everybody. But let's look at some of the, the all right. So Bertina mentioned at the birth of Moses, the king is killing the baby boys. At the birth of Jesus, what's the king doing? Killing the baby boys. Killing the baby boys. Of course, that's what happens all the time, right? No. No. Where else in the Bible do we see that? Just there and there. Then Moses delivers people out of bondage. They put the blood of a lamb and have salvation through the blood of the lamb. They have to pass through the water as they leave bondage through a time of trial headed to a promised land. Does that sound like anything in the New Testament? Let's say uh, Jesus removed the bondage of sin and something to do with his blood involved there? Believe there was. <laughs> God takes away the sins of the world. And then we pass through baptism. Paul says they were baptized into Moses, we're baptized into Christ. We go through a time of trial, headed to our promised land. And then where does Jesus go and spend 40 days without food? I think it's called the wilderness. Where does Moses spend four days without food? Wilderness. Moses comes down from the mountain, and there's something unusual about him. What's unusual about him? He's glowing. He's glowing. <laughs> Acts chapter 17. Jesus goes up on the, on a what? A mountain, and he His is. is glowing. And there's Moses representing the law, and there's Elijah representing the prophets. And you remember Peter says, Mark says that, he said this because he didn't know what to say. <laughs> and he said, well, we'll build three, three tents for each of you. And suddenly there's a voice from heaven that says what? This is my son. Listen to him. That, listen to him. That's the echo of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Bingo. Deuteronomy 18 said, you know, uh, the Lord will raise up a prophet like me. When he comes, you listen to him. This is God saying, this is the one to listen to. Uh, or you could say, no, it's Muhammad because he had a mom and a dad uh, <laughs> and was a leader. Well, there's been lots of leaders and there's been lots of people with a mom and dad. And there's been lots of people that died and stayed buried. That doesn't prove. And Jesus was a Jew. And that was one of the things. It had to be from among you. Let's get to that point about the forgiveness of sins. Um, I have a slide up here I wanted to get to. Let's see. Um, let's see if this is the one. Muhammad has a solution for um, for for uh, forgiveness. Uh, let's say, yeah, establish prayer at the two ends of the day and at the approach of night. Indeed, good deeds do away with misdeeds. And this is a reminder for those who remember. Uh, this is from Sora 11, 114. This is the closest that I could find about uh, any kind of uh, forgiveness or salvation, that your good deeds are going to do away with the with the bad deeds, with your bad deeds, and we all do bad deeds. Yeah. But then um, 
on the other hand, Jesus promises apostles, remember he promised them that he would send them the Holy Spirit to guide them in all the truth. And then through the Holy Spirit, he taught that his death and resurrection was the only way for redemption, uh, was the only way for redemption. So if Jesus is talking about eternal life through redemption, specifically in Romans 3 and 6, it's him, his death, his burial and resurrection, it's his blood. Uh, on the other hand, Muhammad's talking about eternal life, as we just read in that other um, brief scripture, uh, by your works. Yeah. Um, and be I, fair, to be fair, one of the most common phrases in the Quran, it will say, it will praise God who is uh, merciful and often forgiving. So it's not that they're saying that we don't want forgiveness from God, but but how does that happen? It, it's it's kind of similar to the rabbinical, the Pharisee rabbinical concept. They would say, yes, we need God's mercy, but like one of the rabbis once said, and this is in some of the uh, Talmudic writings, um, later rabbinical writings, one of the rabbis said, oh, someone asked, why does God allow poor people to be here? And the, a wise man said, so that we have a way to get forgiveness of sin. So the idea, both in that rabbinical concept and here in Islam, is I'll do some, I've done some bad things, so I'll do some good things, and that cancels out the bad. And that's the opposite of what we see in the New Testament that talks about, as you're pointing out, Drew, we, we need to be redeemed. We need to be ransomed with, with this blood of this perfect lamb. Now, the, the blood comes from Jesus who died on the cross, but they deny that he ever died on the cross. Yes. Yes. They say that uh, the claim that he died on a cross is not true. Uh, that well, let me ask you this. I, I know we said it before, but I want to repeat the question. Yeah. Didn't Muhammad recognize the prophets in the Old Testament? Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah. Hold fast to the book. We believe in the prophets and the law. Yeah. yeah. And who's one of the prophets is Isaiah. Yeah. And now Isaiah is, pro in fact, the whole chapter of 53 is pointing to what? His. Yeah. This redemptive his, death. His rejection, his crucifixion, his him being pierced and put on. Well, it doesn't use the term cross, but it's talking about the Messiah and what he's going to go through. Right. So let me just read those few verses there. Um, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was opposed, and he was afflicted, oppressed rather, and afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before his shearer shear is asylum. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who can consider that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Everything is about him taking on our punishment. Referring, and in fact, the whole chapter 53 talks all about that. There's so much detail about even when they, 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 um, they were casting lots for his garments. And that's all done at the crucifixion scene. And there's that's so much. That's Psalm 22, but the part about the garments. Yeah, well, yeah. That's right. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so we have all of this. And it said he was crucified. Go ahead, Scott. 
And so if, if the Quran recognizes, hold fast the book, and, and we believe in the prophets, then you have this prophet for talking about this one righteous man that's going to be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, that we've all sinned, and it's all going to be laid on him with the rich in his death, of course, Joseph Arimathea's tomb, etc. He's cut off out of the land of living for our sins through this one man. If, and yet they say they believe in Jesus, but they say Jesus wasn't crucified and didn't die for our sins. Stephen. Well, we've got a, a comment here on the in the chat uh, from Cassandra that says uh, she can't get to the Q&A to send her comment. But she says that God offers love, peace, mercy and freedom through Christ. Christ was seen by and did many, many signs and wonders, which were witnessed by thousands and thousands of people and was witnessed by hundreds after his resurrection and gave the power of the Holy Spirit to his apostles. Islam offers the opposite of love, peace and mercy. And its works are death, despair, and oppression throughout history since Muhammad, which continues even until today. A major contrast. By their fruits, you shall know them. Yes. And to be fair, there have been, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here, is there have been many people who would say the same thing about Christianity. But one of the important distinctions to make, are things like the Crusades or things like that, is that there have been many manipulations and many misrepresentations of Christianity, where people have been violent, have oppressed other people and things like that. When you carefully read the teachings of Jesus, you don't see violence like that condoned. Jesus says, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, I didn't, I don't think I had that in my slides about some of the violence that Muhammad himself, re- it, it, it's in the Quran that he carried out. But I didn't want, we didn't have to bring that up. I mean, I didn't have to bring those slides up, but I, I don't think I have them on there. But what I'm trying to get to is that there is such a contrast between yes. the teachings of the indiv- two individuals. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and the, and the impact upon how people live and how people treat their enemies. Jesus, Jesus has a love your neighbor, and it's not the neighbor who's like you. The Good Samaritan story is, no, it's also people who aren't like you, even love your enemies. Very different message. But back, we're about out of time here, but wrapping up here on this Isaiah 53. If the Quran recognizes Moses and the prophets uh, and uh, doesn't mention Isaiah by name, but mentions the virgin birth and mentions, um, uh, you know, the prophets and tells them the whole fast of the book. How do you explain this need for one righteous person to die for the sins of everybody else? And then to say, yes, Jesus was the Christ, but he didn't die on the cross and he didn't die for everybody else. Then where does that leave us with Isaiah 53? It's just floating out there with no fulfillment. And it never will be fulfilled if if Jesus didn't fulfill that. And like Paul said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're still in our sins. If Jesus didn't die for our sins. We're still in our sins. So Isaiah 53 among all those prophecies, there's that Isaiah 53 fulfilled in Christ, and that is so what offered, and it's not offered in the Quran. I want to close with this last statement. Yeah, we're just a little bit past our time, but I want to close with the last statement since, um, you know, Muhammad was not the only one who claims that an angel came and spoke to him. There was almost every generation people claim or men will make those kinds of claims. The angel spoke to them and gave them revelation of God. 
Uh, but I want to close. I met, I met a guy. Let me say this real quick. Uh, go ahead. I met a guy in Zale that said that he met the angel Gabriel. And I asked him about it. He said he met the angel Gabriel on Coney Island. And he was wearing leather pants, a plaid jacket, and had a Band-Aid on his finger. <laughs> so. Oh, my. I never, I never heard anybody describe it like that. Oh. And, hey, who's to – well, there's no evidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let, let, let me then bring up what I wanted to bring up, and that's not it. Let me get back to the slides. Where were they? Where were they? Yeah. Uh, let's Good see. one to close out with. While you're while you're pulling that up, uh, Chip Miles uh, just said the synergy of truth is so encouraging. Yes, here's a good ending point right here. Paul said that even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. He's saying it twice. It's like he's underlying it, capitalizing it, shouting it out. This is important to you Christians. If anybody, whether it's an angel or not, even if it is an angel, if it doesn't match up or harmonize what has been revealed, that person is to be accursed. Whether it's Coney Island or in a cave. Whether it's in Coney Island or in a cave. Good comment. Thank you, people. Uh, thanks a lot, everybody that joined us. I uh, appreciate it. I want to invite you again next Tuesday at 2 p.m. And by the way, if any of you have questions that you want to ask, you don't have to wait till Tuesday. You can go to our website. Go to the con- scroll over to the bottom. There's a little contact form. You want to have another study. You want to study further. You want to just reach out and contact us. Go ahead and do it right from our website there, and we'll get your message and respond quickly thank again you. thank you for thank you take care everyone now i just uh see y'all next week see you all next week and we're going to end the meeting thank you bye-bye